0: Hello and welcome to My Ely Story Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Ross. Back after a long hiatus, we have some great new episodes coming your way in 2023. Some amazing guests will be joining us to tell their story about their life and adventures in the Ely area. And our very first guest is the one and only Lacey Squire. Lacey is involved in so many things here in the Ely area, including the Ely Folk School and the brand new forthcoming What's Up Ely podcast. Lacey will be the host and we'll be talking about all things Ely, what's coming up, what's happened, what's what's going, what's going down in the Ely area. Lacey will share that with you on the new What's Up Ely podcast. It's coming your way in January. She'll give us a little preview of that and tell her story in this episode. And of course, you can find all of the My Ely Story podcast wherever you get your podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe and leave a good review and tell all your friends about it. And stay tuned for lots more episodes of My Ely Story and the brand new What's Up Ely podcast. Don't forget to follow us on the social media. Visit MN on Facebook and Instagram and on the web and you can contact us through there. Share your thoughts, share your ideas if you've got some suggestions for topics or guests on the show. We always like to hear that, so feel free to share. And now, without further ado, the one and only Lacey Squire.
1: My name is Lacey Squire, and this is my Ely story. Hello, Lacey. Hello, Brett. How are you? I am well, thank you. How awesome. Are you?
0: It's good to have you here. We are recording on, I think, probably the coldest day we've had so far this winter.
1: Absolutely. It's what Facebook is telling me, at least, because everybody and their mother is posting about the temperatures.
0: Everybody's got the temperature reading from their dashboard, and it's kind of bragging rights. Oh, yeah. like when you live in northern Minnesota, it's bragging rights when it gets below 20. We want the
1: world to know that it's negative 24 degrees, and we're still doing what we do.
0: We're suffering, but we persevere.
1: (laughs) We have Sisu. (laughs) That's right. Yes.
0: So uh, thanks for being a part of this. It's been a while since um, we've had a new podcast here, but we want to take this opportunity to introduce people to you because you're a very dynamic person. You do a lot here in, in the Ely community, and you're going to be working on a brand new podcast that's going to debut in the new year.
1: Yes, I am going to be hosting the What's Up Ely podcast. I'm very excited to be a part of that venture.
0: I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think you're going to do a great job with it, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Kind of get into some details about what that podcast is going to uh, going to sound like and and your plans for it. But before we get to that, let's talk about you. What's your what's your story? Where do you where do you come from? Who who raised you? Who
1: who helped
0: create this person that sits before me?
1: My goodness, Brett. <laughs> Thank you for asking. It would be a, my pleasure to tell you. Um, well, my story begins in Hutchinson, Minnesota. I'm very fond of my hometown of Hutchinson. I was raised by Kim and Duane Squire, and I have siblings and really enjoyed that small-town upbringing. If you're not familiar with Hutchinson, the most people are, quite frankly. It's a smallish town in south-central Minnesota. And my dad worked at the 3M manufacturing plant there for 42 years, and I got to go through the public school education system there in Hutch. And then from high school, I went on to college, and I attended Gustavus Adolphus College Mm -hmm. which was very near my hometown so I stayed within I mean I think it's only an hour away yeah and that's where my family heritage is in that region as well so my mom's side was based in Lesur and Lee Center and that Mm -hmm. part of the the state and my dad's mom my grandma Opal was living in Gaylord Minnesota when she passed away and so I stayed pretty close to home um I've always been someone who's been quite, quote unquote, involved, which I'll definitely talk more about as we go on. Um, but in high school, I was in the student council. I liked being a part of the event planning conversations as it relates to things like homecoming and prom and Valentine's Day, you know, Hershey's kisses and hugs that we would sell as a fundraiser for whatever else was going on at school. And that, Part of me definitely thrived in college as well. So when I was a college student, I studied communication studies, like interpersonal communication, rhetoric, persuasion, and Spanish. And I was also very, quote unquote, involved in college. Yeah, I was a part of several student organizations, kind of joke about myself that I went to the involvement fair as a first year student and signed up for like 17 organizations everything
0: just joined everything.
1: everything i was so excited <laughs> um which of course is totally unsustainable but ultimately you know i, I was in the campus activities board which was the major event planning organization for the college and um other organizations so on and so forth so yes that trend of involvement has been with me um my whole life. And that led me to go to graduate school in the field of higher education and student affairs. Okay. Are you familiar with student affairs, student activities? or?
0: I mean, I've been a part of student activities in yeah. <laughs> my college days, but I'm not sure what, uh, what that means from a higher education standpoint.
1: Yeah. Well, I didn't either, right? So I was, all I knew is I, I wanted to go to college because I loved learning. I wanted to have a kind of quintessential college experience. I got super involved and really early in my time as a college student, I befriended an administrator who became my mentor, Andrea Jonso. And so she was the advisor to the student activities or campus activities board. And at one point she's like, you know, you can do this for a job, right? Like you could have a job like mine. Yeah. And it was a total revelation. And that was early in my sophomore year and from then on, I never looked back. It was like, great, I want to go to a program like she went to. I want to have a job like she has. I want to keep doing this kind of work. Um, and I did. I went straight from college on to graduate school. I went to Bowling Green State University for their college student personnel program. And the field of higher education and student affairs it's really interdisciplinary because you're learning about young adult psychosocial development. Okay. You're learning about, you know, theories of education and epistemological development. How do people learn? Yeah. Um, And you're learning about kind of like equity, diversity, and inclusion. Okay. How do we get the benefits of higher education to more people? Right. How do we make it more inclusive? How do we make it more accessible. Um, so that's what I studied in graduate school. And then my first job out of graduate school was at Hamlin University in the Student not, Activities and Leadership Development Office. Not a bad first job? It was it was great to go to the first um, student meeting with the groups of people I was going to be supervising and say, there is nowhere else I'd rather be. That's great. You know, I got my dream job in my dream city back in Minnesota. So I feel like I went through that really fast, but it definitely, like all of that is really important backstory to my Ely story, as it were. I was doing that work and I was loving it, having some challenges with burnout. Not sure if that's field specific or just the world we live in or maybe the kind of person I am. Um, but I had been doing that job for, I think, over five years. And in that time, you know, I I met and married my spouse, Eric um, Glosson. He's, uh, well, I'll get into more about him, I'm sure. Um, He was working as a sales rep in the gear industry, outdoor gear industry. Okay. And Praegis Northwood's company was one of his accounts. Got it. And they had an opening for a retail manager position and they let him know about it. And we had had some experiences in the Northwoods and just thought the idea of moving to the Northwoods was so romantic and we just didn't know how we could possibly execute on that. And, you know, very vague notions of like maybe when we're older, we can retire up into the woods at some point. Um, But this opportunity kind of launched that conversation onto a fast track and it was such a whirlwind But we, you know, we kind of went from not even knowing the position existed to hearing about it, him applying for it, him interviewing for it, him accepting it and him moving to Ely like within two months.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's fast.
1: Yeah. And we sold our house and I lived in temporary housing on the university campus while I closed out the semester and then I followed him and moved
0: to Ely. So what was your experience with Ely prior to that? Had you spent any time here? Had you even been here?
1: Very minimally. Yeah. Yeah, I like to joke that I moved to Ely sight unseen, which is not technically true. I had been to Ely, um, like 10 years prior and went basically straight to someone's house on a lake and did not interact with the town at all. Okay. And then Eric and I had gone with our good friend, also named Eric, um... Who by the way had a dog named Lacey and we all used to live together. So we had <laughs> Eric and Eric and Lacey and Lacey.
0: That's funny. <laughs> um,
1: so we went into the wilderness in twenty, I think it might have been twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then Eric and I went into the wilderness as kind of a a part one of two part honeymoon. Okay. After we got married, and we went into town and we had dinner at Insula. Nice. So, I had scallops at Insula, and that is what I knew about Ely.
0: That's a pretty good start. Scallops <laughs> at Insula is a pretty solid start if you want to be sold on the town.
1: I know. Well, I did. I genuinely took great comfort in knowing that there was a restaurant where I could get food that I felt was exciting. Yeah. And I was aware that the Ely Folk School existed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that was also comforting. And then I also knew there was a college here.
0: Yep.
1: So someone who works in the field that I worked in and with my background, I, I recognized there weren't any positions available when we were moving. Mm-hmm. And I recognized it's a small campus and a small community that positions would likely be difficult to come by. But just the fact that it's here was very comforting to sure. me in making the transition.
0: And so you were willing to just kind of piece together whatever you had to, to, to make a living here.
1: Absolutely. And it was really exciting because I mentioned that feeling of burnout. Mm -hmm. I really wanted a change. And I had been applying for jobs elsewhere in different fields. I was very open-minded to what my future would look like. Mm -hmm. And I had this growing sense of awareness that I might be interested in moving back to a small town. Right? Those Hutchinson roots are really deep inside of me. Sure. However, we don't have very many family members or close friends who still live in Hutchinson. Okay, And we didn't necessarily feel compelled to move back to Hutch, but I just had this sense of like, gosh, when I lived, when I was a high school student in Hutchinson, I worked at the grocery store and I just, I knew my peers very well many of them, not all of them, of course, but I knew my, my classmates and I knew their siblings and I knew their moms. And in a lot of cases, I knew their grandmas. And that was really precious, very valuable, very fun. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that where we were living in the city. Um, I had a really close connection to my colleagues at the university, but it's not a, it's not a community that my spouse eric and i shared Mm -hmm. it was a community that was just mine and so he and i just through the nature of our our work and maybe where we were living we just didn't have a community that we shared where we lived in the city i loved our neighborhood it was a wonderful neighborhood but we just didn't know people in it
0: That's a really challenging thing about living in a more urban area like that is you, there's such a kind of a feeling of anonymity where you don't know people, you don't know your neighbors and it can be, I imagine, really hard to find that, that community of yours that, you you know, people that you share similar interests with outside of your job, basically.
1: Right. And my job was the kind of job where there were a lot of night and weekend commitments. Mm Mm-hmm. So it, it became, you know, I, I'm very aware that I think we could have created or found the community that we're talking, that you and I are talking about mm-hmm. in St. Paul, but we had barriers to actually going out and doing it. Yeah. And so when the opportunity to move to Ely struck, it felt like the stars aligned and I was really happy just to
0: flow. <laughs> That's great.
1: Yeah. And I got to spend a couple months on a self-made sabbatical.
0: That's pretty nice.
1: It was one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given.
0: I bet. I bet. There's so much value in that, in being able to sort of slow down and and appreciate sort of having extra bandwidth Mm -hmm. to, you know, focus on your own well-being and just pursuing whatever interests you want to pursue having that that freedom
1: yeah i had really specific goals so as an employee at the university i had the benefit of being able to take classes Mm -hmm. for free it's you know a major benefit to working in the field of higher education and so i was in the creative writing program working toward a master of fine arts in creative writing and my goals when I moved to Ely were to read, write, and cook. Nice. And I've subbed out read for learn, mm-hmm. you know, because I've become so invested in podcast-based learning. Yeah. Um, which isn't technically reading. I really enjoy watching, you know, educational TV and documentaries. And so, um, it, you know, read with an asterisk.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it is, yeah, like you said, with, with podcasting and, and audiobooks now and, and just YouTube and, and the internet, there's so much opportunity to learn in in your own space, in your own time, and anything that you want to learn. Mm-hmm. It's out there, it's, mm-hmm. there's, it's so accessible now.
1: And something that I didn't know about the Ely area when I moved here, but something that's become abundantly clear to me now, is that this really is a community of learners. Mm-hmm. And I observe it is a lot of people who are learning with an orientation toward self-sufficiency. Yep. Which is another layer that I love. Yeah. But so often I will meet someone and they will identify themselves as a lifelong learner. And there are so many opportunities for that kind of self-made education, self-guided education here. For sure. So it's cool that we have podcasts and YouTube and the internet in general. But we also have, I'm biased, but we have Tuesday group Mm -hmm. and we have the Ely Folk School. We have great community ed programs. You know, there's so many opportunities for um, communal learning as well.
0: Yep. So... It's a good segue into your work with the Ely Folk School. You've been involved with them for a couple of years now?
1: Yeah, three years. Okay. Yeah. I I was in a little hermit mode when I was doing my self-made sabbatical. Yeah. I didn't know anyone. Um, and I w- had been tired. I had been burnt out. So I spent a couple months being very insular. <laughs> um, and then when I did sort of emerge, I took an Ely Folk School class. Nice. I took the Cornish pasty class oh, okay. with Mary Louise Eisenhower. Excellent. And I had always been interested in food, ever since a child even. Like in fifth grade, I would have told you my favorite TV show was Emerald Live.
0: Nice. <laughs> That's fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'd been wanting to cook more for years, but living in the city and being a quote-unquote you know self-identified busy person, mm-hmm. I just... There was always so many good tasty meals just around the corner right. that I never really got as into cooking as I wanted to. And taking that class from Mary Louise gave me a ton of confidence in pastry making, just pie crust. Okay. And then it gave me the confidence to do more on my own. And then eventually a few months later, I, my mom and my sister were visiting and we went and we took the Slovenian pizza class Ooh, Nice. with Mary Louise. Yep. So if listeners aren't aware, Slovenian Honey Walnut patizza is a very well-loved um, Slovenian delicacy that now has just, I recently taught a patizza class and one of the students was like, I don't even think of it as Slovenian. Like this is just an Ely thing.
0: It's an Ely thing. Yeah, yeah. Sure feels like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's great.
1: So I, I did that. I had a really positive experience. I got a part-time job working at Insula mm-hmm. Restaurant. Yep. As a server, which was a phenomenal way to get to know the community, to serve people lunch and dinner, and talk about food, and talk about beverages, and have a little bit of chit-chat, that was a really fulfilling experience, but I had some like professional skills that I wasn't using, and so I joined the Ely Folk School Board as a way to scratch that itch. Yeah in December of 2019 so come March of 2020 I was the youngest person on the folk school board um at the time I don't think I am anymore but I was the only person who knew what Zoom was oh wow and though I would have never um not never at the time I did not feel confident enough in my cooking skills to teach classes okay but because of the circumstances we, you know we couldn't Mary Louise didn't have the technology to do a Zoom class from her own house and we didn't know enough about covid to like suggest that I would go to her house and
0: do video recording yeah you're supposed to stay away from everybody
1: right exactly and so we had uh, a friend staying with us at the time who like just got caught kind of in covid closures at our house sure and so between he, um our friend paul and eric they were the camera people using my phone. And I taught a biscuit and gravy making class online through Zoom just yeah. as a gesture to show the Ely Folk School community that we were going to do what we could to be resilient through the challenges yep. and continue to serve the community. I we had like 85 people sign up.
0: That's so great.
1: Yeah. And it's just kind of gone from there. Like I'm now the resident Ely Folk School cooking instructor. <laughs>
0: That's outstanding. That's wild. Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, sort of the mother of invention, you know, they, people needed that people needed that connection with other people. And and like you said, that desire to learn, um, and to, to do it in sort of a hands-on way in a communal sort of way, mm-hmm. and then to have that all taken away with COVID, it became such an integral part of people's existence from that point on, as you said, from, from March of 2020 that thank God for Zoom. Right. That you were still able to connect with people, even though you're not supposed to be in the same room with them. You can feel like you are. You can see their face. You can see their smile. You can see their reactions. And what a great opportunity to to really share something with the community.
1: Yeah, it was it was incredibly encouraging. And I mentioned, you know, I think I would have had this internal dialogue around, you know, I'm, I'm not expert enough to be teaching a class or I'm not. You know, I don't have the authority to be teaching a class. And it really, the experience of doing a few classes via Zoom taught me in the lesson, you know, the word folk is like of the people. Mm -hmm. We're not, you know, you don't have to have a culinary arts degree to teach a cooking class at the Ely Folk School. Right? I am just a person who's done a little bit of learning on my own and I can share with you what I've learned And we can learn together. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's biscuits and gravy. It's just like rustic and tasty and satisfying. And then I did a a lemon custard pie was the next one. And yeah. And then from there, it just went and went and went.
0: That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I got the opportunity uh, back in November to, uh, I was asked to be a part of the, the chef's challenge. And my first thought was, I'm not a chef. Like, I would never <laughs> call myself a chef, but I love food. I loved spending time in the kitchen, learning how to cook new things and learning new recipes, creating new things. And uh, I was just super excited at the challenge. And I ended up getting sick the day of, so I wasn't able to do it. But I still I still made the food. I still made my my northern coconut curry stew, and I just ate it myself for the whole week. <laughs> I made it way spicier than I was going to. And... Just ate it myself, but um, to have had that opportunity to be asked to be a part of something like that and not, again, like I'm not a chef, mm-hmm. but I feel like I'm pretty capable in the kitchen and mm-hmm. I would feel comfortable creating something and and serving it to people and letting them try it. And, right. And to have that opportunity to have something like the Ely Folk School is so valuable to the community and and really helps just solidify that sense of community and sense of connection that people have.
1: When I go back to that conversation, the reference I made earlier about, you know, the value of education, but the importance that it be accessible to all. Mm-hmm. And the Ili School is one of many regional institutions that provides opportunities for education that are ultimately very affordable relative to like a more formal, Yep. you know, Higher education program. And of course, there's no like accreditation or anything through the Ely folk school. but again, it's it's a way that we can all learn together with way reduced barriers. Yep. And that's one of the tenets of the whole folk school movement, which is kind of a born of a Scandinavian movement. I think there's something like two hundred or so folk schools in the country, the United States, and something like six hundred in the world. And the tenants are, are you know, learning for life, mm-hmm. as in lifelong learning, but also learning skills for life, Yeah. practical skills, um, but still seeing the art and the craft in practical skills, intergenerational exchange, which, as I mentioned before, you know, I want to know people and I want to know their grandmas. Yeah. Give me all the grandmas. Yep. Um, and then... Learning without grades, learning without, learning in a very welcoming environment, not a competitive environment. Mm -hmm. Those are kind of the tenets of the folk school movement. And so my own deep investment in education and my own desire to affect change in education being more accessible, those things merge to make the folk school a really important part of my Ely experience.
0: That's outstanding. And it feels like, with your involvement with it, it's been able to grow to a degree that it's now it is a a real staple in the community. I know I've been aware of the um, the North House Folk School in Grand Marais for many years, and I've taken some classes there, and I've had friends that have taught classes there, and it's always seemed it's just it's such a special place. That, mm-hmm. You know, of course, they're on Lake Superior; they've got that special place right on the lake. But just that that accessibility of being able to learn these skills. Um, from community members is huge. And mm-hmm. so it's been really fun to uh, see some of the people, people that people that I've known for years that all of a sudden are like, I'm going to teach people how to do brain tanning or how to make a birch bark canoe. And you've done some really fascinating things there.
1: Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate um, what you said. And it's definitely been The Folk School is in a growth era, for Hmm. sure. Um, It was founded in 2015, and it had its first full season in 2016. And it had some staple programs that were very successful in that time. But since 2020 and those closures and this kind of like shift and new era that we've entered you know Lucy Soderstrom is the program director at the Ely Folk School and her leadership has been essential to the growing success of it. Alexia Springer was in a marketing role and now she's a program coordinator helping like put classes together, find instructors and 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 just develop what the folk school offers, mm-hmm. and together with the board members, um, I'm on the board, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm not a staff member, but I teach and I'm on the board. Okay. So the board and the staff together really made a strategic pivot towards offering some events, services, and programs for free Yeah, to really put out there to the community what we're about and what we offer. But it's a really small organization, and the budget is tight. Yeah. And so it's it was very risky it felt. There was a lot of debate that went into like can we literally afford to put volunteer and staff t- staff time towards something that not only isn't going to necessarily make the organization any money but might cost it money, right? Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Um and that has been very positive. You know, it felt scary, but we started with something like we did the spring bonfire Mm -hmm. in 2021 and the timing just worked out great. So we, the scheduling convention is the first Wednesday or the Wednesday prior to fishing opener in Mm -hmm. May. We go down to Seamers Park Beach. Hidden Ely treasure. Yeah. Well, it's not hidden. It's like right there. Why don't more people go to see? But it Heart is a treasure Beach? for sure. Um, Ely Treasure. We have a big bonfire and just we got, you know, Ely liquor donated beer and wine and Zupp's donated ingredients, and we made wild rice hand pies. Nice. Kind of a, a variation of the pasty. And just to say, like, here we are, we're trying, we're doing stuff, let's come together. And it just so happened to be that like COVID regulations were easing up Mm -hmm. the vaccine had months of distribution and it was like one of the first most beautiful days of spring yeah i remember i had had over 150 people at that event it's great live music there were boats on the water you know canoes on the water dogs running around don't tell anyone i said that um (laughs) snacks beer wine kids on the playground like it was so glorious i i i went back the next day and sat on a bench and just cried wow you know and it felt like a milestone for me personally because Mm -hmm. i was a part of the team that made that happen it was 2021 may i had been in ely for a year and a half and it was kind of one of the first times i went to an event where i was like you know oh hey brett hey steve you know hey rick hey lucy Hey, Becca, like I knew people.
0: You found your community.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's outstanding. Yeah. That's great. And then then to have it sort of be like a big coming out party for the whole Ely community after having lived under COVID, under the COVID restrictions and social distancing for so long and then coming to terms with like we can actually get together and hang out. That's amazing. It feels so good.
1: Right. And it was, you know, it's to our benefit that it was an outdoor event. Yep. Um, But it just... The weather was nice. The sun was shining. And it was the first time I'd been in a space where there were 150 people together. Yeah. Since, you know, since whenever the last time I did that before March 2020 was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's it's amazing how you forget what that experience is like mm-hmm. to have all these other people around you and to see other people's faces and to see maskless faces. Yeah. You know, see people smiling yeah. back at you is pretty incredible. It's powerful.
1: Well, and one... You know, fun fact about my professional background is the work at the university and, and doing student leadership and development. I am a certified, you know, Gallup certified strengths coach for okay. the strengths finder assessment. Mm-hmm. And I'm a an administrator for the Myers Briggs type indicator.
0: Oh, no kidding. So,
1: you know, the 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 assessment that does the are you introverted or extrovert? Do you prefer yeah. introversion or do you prefer extroversion type yep. thing? I'm absolutely someone who prefers extroversion. Okay. And so being at a park with 150 other people, like that fills my soul Mm -hmm. with joy. Yeah. I just love being around other people.
0: Well, it's such a great way to to share energy when you have people that are Especially like-minded people that are that are sort of gathered together for a common interest like that. I, you know, I liken that to just going to a concert. I love going to concerts. You know, especially if it's if it's one of my favorite bands and to be there with a thousand other people that also love that band. That kind of energy, it just it really feeds the soul, mm-hmm. and it's so important to have that. And again, with COVID, we lost so much of that mm-hmm. connection. So yeah, that's that's a serious milestone to to get to that point. And mm-hmm. I can see that just being being overcome with with emotion from having been a part of making something like that happen.
1: Yeah. And I live near that park. Mm-hmm. And so I take, um, Eric and I have a dog, Wendell. Wendell. When, Wendell Berry Van Glossen Squire. Excellent.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, and so our walk route for Wendell, kind of on a daily basis, mm-hmm. includes a loop. We go down to that park. Yep. And I, the glory of it is that it's not our park, right? That it's city land it's public land but it feels like our park and it felt like we just had the best party at our little park the
0: backyard party Yeah, yeah yeah that's awesome yeah very cool well and congratulations on that i mean it's really been it's been exciting to watch the folk school develop and and i know you've really been integral in 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 helping that develop talk about some of the other things that they've been involved with i know there's been some pretty big milestones i know the um the uh, Ojibwe naming map.
1: Yes, yes. Well, the Ojibwe lake name map was the product. It's been a, it's been a long journey, but Paul Shirky is a founding board member of the Ely Folk School and the you know owner of Wintergreen Dog Sled Lodge and you know Arctic Explorer Extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. He had spearheaded. Including this Ojibwe lake name map in an I grant application mm-hmm. that Betty Firth, our program coordinator at the time, um, submitted, and we the Folks School did receive the funding to do the Ojibwe lake name map through the I And I don't I don't know that I can speak to the details as well as other people could, particularly Paul, but he had access to some like newly resurged, resurfaced resource that had information about a lot of these like Anishinaabe language lake names Mm -hmm. on that sort of west end of the Boundary Waters. And that project was something he was spearheading for a really long time and being really strong and persistent about making progress with. In the time that Paul was working on it, we actually were able to bring Rick Anderson mm-hmm. onto the Ely Folk School board. And so Rick is a member of the Boys a Band of Ojibwe, and he is formerly the CEO of Fortune Bay Casino. And so his personal network, you know, combined with Paul's like initial dream and the IRRRB funds, ultimately, you know, created the final product in collaboration with some very specific people at Boys Fort, mm-hmm. though I'm not confident on the names. Um, Louise is the someone is the the map maker. Okay. But I can't think of her last name right now. Um, it's a really cool map that has not only the Ojibwe lake names, but then a sort of translation of what those lake names were. Wow! And so, just a very fun resource and a really grounding piece of art that reminds people of the deep origins of the region
0: yeah the people that were here first (laughs) yeah
1: well maybe not first technically but like certainly (laughs) much longer than us sure sure yeah
0: yeah, so is that map available somewhere? Is that something yes. that can be purchased at the yes, Folk School? Yes, it is. Yeah.
1: You can purchase it. Um, You can order one online. You can pick it up at the Folk School or you can have it shipped. Okay. Um, And so right now they're exclusively available through the Ely Folk School. But I believe coming here shortly, maybe just at the turn of the year, they'll also be for sale at the Boys Fort um, Cultural and Heritage, Heritage Center. Center.
0: Sure, yep. That's awesome. What a great project.
1: Yeah. So that, that has been a really cool project. Um, and we also, you know, the, the spring bonfire that we were talking about previously has now become a biannual thing. Mm-hmm. We do a spring bonfire and a winter bonfire. And at the winter bonfire, Wintergreen Dog Sled Lodge brings two teams of dogs nice. and folks who attend can get a free dog sled ride around the islands that's at awesome. Seamers Park Beach. So yep. that's a really fun aspect to that event. What else has been going on we have done you know historically um birch bark canoe builds mm-hmm. through our master builder eric simula mm-hmm. and the folk school has teamed up with northern lakes arts association to host monthly makers markets right so the folk school simultaneously has grown its own mercantile to include products made by ely folk school instructors And as well as products relevant to Ely Folk School classes. Okay. So, for example, I don't have anything for sale at the Ely Folk School Mercantile, but I teach pie making, pizza making, and the Cornish pasty making. And so, we have um, Dutch dough whisks and dough scrapers. Okay. Because I'm really loyal to those tools, and I'm like, y'all... You can't make pizza without a dough scraper. Okay. I cannot make pizza without a dough <laughs> scraper. Um. So anyways, that's the Ely Folk School mercantile. But then once a month, they've been doing these markets where people come in, there's live music, there's snacks, and you can like meet and interact with the maker who has a booth specifically set up um, with items that aren't necessarily in the mercantile all the time.
0: Okay. That's great.
1: Yeah. So just a few of the new kind of changes and initiatives at the folk school
0: that's some pretty cool stuff
1: we're always looking for more instructors and i would be happy you know if you're a person who has a skill that you think you'd like to share with the world Mm -hmm. but you aren't confident that you know how to instruct a class oh my goodness let's talk about it because that's a journey i've already been on
0: awesome yeah so if someone's interested in doing that what's the best way to to reach out
1: I would say the first point of contact could just be to email info at elyfolkschool.org. Okay. Um, check out the website, elyfolkschool.org. But yeah, an, an email to that general account will get to the right person and then we can have a conversation.
0: Nice. Well, I would look forward to seeing what continues to develop there. It's been pretty fascinating to yeah. watch it so far.
1: Well, and you mentioned the the... You know, Top Chef event type thing, mm-hmm. that that happened really organically too. But as a as a incentive for the Give to the Max Day last year, and then again this year, we hosted, picked like local foodies, mm-hmm. had them make a dish, and turned it into a competition. Yeah. So you were meant to be there. You couldn't <laughs> be. So sorry. Um, but then me, um, Alvin Gozier, and Logan Rund each made a dish featuring squash of some kind. Mm-hmm. And then each made a cocktail and then people who donated to a certain threshold at Give to the Max Day got to attend this quote unquote exclusive event Yeah. and sample all the beverages, sample all the food and then vote on a winner. And it's just so fun. Such a
0: fun idea. Yeah. Yeah. I was so disappointed not to have been able to be there, but yeah. um, I've, I would love to be a part of it in the future.
1: We'll invite you back.
0: Awesome. I'll try to stay healthy for the next one. Please do. Yeah. Cool. And so, yeah, you seem to have a lot of irons in the fire here in Ely. You're also uh, part of Boundary Waters Connect.
1: That is true. Let me tell you about it. Please do. Boundary Waters Connect is the economic and community development program of Northeastern Minnesotans for Wilderness. Mm -hmm. I manage Boundary Waters Connect, and it's a program that's only about a year old. Mm -hmm. Mostly, what? well, some tangibles of what Boundary Waters Connect is up to. I host and coordinate a weekly educational forum called Tuesday Group. Mm -hmm. So we get together weekly at the Grand Ely Lodge, order lunch if you want. You don't have to if you don't want to. So if you don't order lunch, it's totally free to attend. And we hear from some regional leader, some regionally relevant person on some topic. Mm -hmm. So just yesterday, I had a really fun Zoom call with Kenny Blumenfeld, the Minnesota DNR senior climatologist. Oh. And he is booked to be a Tuesday group speaker awesome. this May. Okay. And he's going to come and just teach us about the climate in Minnesota and and what he's observed. Something that came up last year, we had multiple Tuesday group attendees have occasion to observe that wind speed seems to be increasing. Mm-hmm. And I found someone in the Tuesday group audience shared an article with me about Wind Speed Increasing, written by Kenny Blumenfeld. Okay. So I reach out to him. He's like, cool, I'd love to come to Ely and talk to you about Great. Minnesota climate. Awesome. So that's an example of a Tuesday group program. So that's something Boundary Waters Connect hosts um, to fulfill our, our value of, of education and local leadership and stuff like that. Um, I also collaborate with Northern Grounds to mm. help kind of facilitate and sustain society hall workspace So we know that access to internet, reliable access to internet, you know, Monday through Friday, from open until close at Northern Grounds Coffee Shop, that is a way for us to ensure that people could work remotely. Yeah. You know, in town we have really reliable internet, Mm -hmm. but if you're someone who lives in one of the four townships surrounding Ely proper, you might not have reliable enough internet to work remotely. It
0: can be sketchy to say the least. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> and so, Society Hall Workspace is a collaboration um, that's really valuable to Boundary Waters Connect because we we view that as a way to respond to someone who might be interested in relocating to the Ely area, mm-hmm. and they're able to do it because they can work remotely. Yeah. But what if they get a house on Garden Lake and it the internet's not strong enough? Which is exactly the case for one of our annual membership owners oh. or holders, right? So he works remotely he has the ability to work remotely but his internet at home is just not reliable enough and while the ely public library is a great resource for that circumstance it's nice to have a place that you know you can go to again monday through friday from open until 5 p.m and then we've also found that a lot of people who are using society hall workspace are actually tourists and visitors and they're folks who are saying yeah by having access to this i've been able to extend my trip by one or two days oh that's great and stay in the area, get a little bit of work done, take one less vacation day, and still have an Ely experience. Yeah. Have a wilderness experience. So that's really cool. And then I host and coordinate a series of programs I call Hello Neighbor Programs and Services. So, one approach to economic development in the rural space is new resident recruitment. Sure. There's a lot of good social science that says people in their 30s, 40s, and 50s are on the move. Mm -hmm. And they're considering rural locations in new numbers, growing numbers. And so we know that Ely is a place with a lot of unique amenities, high quality of life. It's very attractive. Um, How do we make sure that the people who are looking for a new place to call home See that Ely is a good option, and how do we convey to them um, what a special, welcoming and diverse community we have? And so the Hello Neighbor programs and services are kind of designed to do just that. So I've got a series of videos with new residents talking about like what attracted them to the area, what what brought them here, um, why we live here. That's what mm-hmm. it's called. Um, and then I also host new resident socials on a regular basis, and also offer like kind of one-on-one like connecting services okay like okay you're new to town like tell me more about you like what are you interested in i might know people who are also interested in that kind of thing and so i mean very informally i was able to get a new resident set up with a D D group okay like that's something we can help with yeah um yeah so that's a little bit about boundary waters connect
0: that's pretty awesome Well, what a great thing for people that are just are interested in possibly relocating here, people that have, um, you know, like you talked about your experience of, of being in St. Paul and feeling like you didn't really have that community of people outside of your work. And, you know, it can be very challenging. I know I found that, you know, 25 years ago when I first moved to Ely that I was like, I don't really, I don't know anybody. I don't have anybody to hang out with. And so, you know, luckily I was able to, you know just sort of organically meet people and and find my community here but to have access to to someone like yourself that's willing to to put the time in to help people connect even if it's somebody to play dungeons and dragons with is pretty cool and can really help somebody transition to the community
1: right i i'm a very socially bold person mm-hmm. right it didn't it was of no issue to me to like Find my way to the Ely Folk School on my own. Show up to a Cornish pasty making class and introduce myself to five strangers. But not everyone feels that way. yeah, And so I just want anyone who shows up to town who doesn't feel super confident, just organically creating community.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, allow me to get to know you a little bit. Mm-hmm. find out what you're interested in. And then give you just some information about where you might start, kind of like a tailored plan. Mm -hmm. You know, had someone reach out to me, um, it's word has gotten out about what I do. And so now people approach me and that's really exciting.
0: Well, just wait till this podcast gets out there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I had a, a person I met through the restaurant, right? So when I served dinner, um, while he was up here checking on a, a cabin that's being built and, and he reached out and said, you know, my wife is an artist. She's really into art. Could you two get together and talk about, you know, could you tell her about what art related opportunities for engagement there are in town? And it's like, (laughs) could we ever, (laughs) um, you know, this poor woman received like such a long email from me. (laughs) Um, and it was really fun. So yeah, I hope certainly there are people like me who will be bold and they don't need any help and they don't want any help mm-hmm. and that's fine. And there are people who don't really want to do a one-on-one meeting like, oh my gosh, that's way too much pressure. Yeah. And they just want to go to the social and they just want to have, you know, a free glass of wine and chit chat with some people. Yeah. But I, I'm strategically trying to offer something at each level.
0: That's fantastic. Cause it can be, it can be really daunting when you move to a community like this. It can, it can feel very sort of insular and, um, and it's, and it's just tough. And especially in the winter time when it's this cold, like what do, what do we do? Yeah. What is there to do? So to have those sort of, to have someone like yourself that is, is facilitating, you know, how to, how to become a part of the community, how to Mm -hmm. find your, how to find your, your tribe here. It's, it's pretty cool.
1: Well, and what I think is the coolest thing about it is that that degree I have in college student personnel, mm-hmm. I mean, I was just going back through old papers because I knew I was going to be having this conversation with you, right? Yeah. I One of my capstone papers that I had to write for my degree in that field was about like the impact of college. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about the importance of quote unquote involvement yeah, and what it does for you. And there is, again, some really cool research, and this is in the context of a college and a university, but I would argue you could scale it to a town or any community. Being involved increases your feeling of belonging. Mm -hmm. It increases your knowledge of the community. It increases your, I don't know, level of perception of who is in your community it actually leads to benefits related to your psychosocial development which means your understanding of self Mm -hmm. um let's see oh it increase there's a increase in political engagement which i would say like for us you know like in like knowing your city council members engaging with your city council members knowing what commissions exist in town participating in those commissions maybe um yeah. And it le- it leads to a greater level of inclusion and decreases prejudice.
0: Okay. Which, which makes a lot of sense. You know, the more you, and I've, I've believed this, especially in the, you know, the kind of the current political climate in our country right now, people tend to be divided into one team or the other. And I feel so much less of that when I know someone, when I just get to know them on a personal level, and I I know their spouse and I know their kids, and it makes it much harder for me to just say, "Well, you support so and so, so we're not going to be friends." And when I see the I see the sign in your yard, and I'm not going to talk to you, it takes away a lot of that. When when you know someone on a personal level, yes, and you can connect with them on just sort of basic human level of you know this is what I do to be happy this is you know I'm just a person that wants to be happy and you are too so Mm -hmm. let's kind of let's start from that spot
1: Mm -hmm. yeah knowing people even just a little bit gives so much nuance Mm -hmm. yeah living in Ely has really you know helped me strip away a lot of like stereotypes I might have had
0: Mm -hmm.
1: about anyone or anything yeah you know there's so many layers that people have and um No one really fits cleanly into any one box or camp or side.
0: Yeah. I've honestly enjoyed that over my time here in Ely of meeting people who assume I'm a certain way because of, you know, the, the family that I married into when I was here or because of the job that I do and things like that. And I love to sort of turn that stereotype they have for me. I love to turn it on its head and be like, actually, we can agree on a lot of things. Right. And it's it's fun and it really does increase that. And it, it increases, a, you know, like you said, your understanding of yourself because your understanding of yourself is really in relation to other people in your community. And so it helps you understand that and it helps you just have, I think, more of a sense of humanity and, and empathy for other people in general.
1: Right. I agree. And I've conversely had a lot of fun getting to know and having... Fun, engaging conversations with people with whom I know I disagree about yeah. at least one thing. Yep, you know,
0: well, there's a lot of value in that, mm-hmm. and and especially approaching it from the idea that you're not trying to change someone's mind, you're just trying to have a, a better understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, but and and. The better understanding you have of the of the people in your community and the people that that you interact with on a regular basis, again, it, it increases that empathy. It increases your sense of humanity and and makes for a stronger community.
1: Yeah. So one thing I am doing, and on behalf of Boundary Waters Connect, um, I'm hosting a, a reading and discussion group okay. called Long Form. Hmm. You know, kind of actually taking a step away from short form messaging you know more than 160 character characters or whatever yep yeah um so it's it's not a traditional book club because we're not reading one book we're reading chapters and excerpts from many books okay but over the course of seven meetings we're going to really take a critical deep dive into what what is community how do you cultivate a sense of belonging for yourself how do you help someone else cultivate a sense of belonging in the community that you're already established in and you know what can grassroots rural economic development look like here nice so just some casual stuff will
0: be <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah it is, that's deep and it's so it's so crucial to helping this area thrive and to continue to attract new people to move here and and that there is a, a dynamic community here no matter what your interests are you're going to find You're going to find a place to fit in.
1: Oh, yeah. We've got something for everyone.
0: Yeah, that's great. So let's talk the new podcast, the new What's Up Ely podcast. I'm excited for this.
1: Thank you. Me too. And I think everything we've said up to this point in the conversation is actually a great funnel into the What's Up Ely podcast. Mm -hmm. Because the What's Up Ely podcast, it's going to be something that airs twice a month, Mm -hmm. kind of roughly every two weeks or so. Um Just an exploration of literally what's up in Ely Mm -hmm. in the next couple of weeks. What's going on? And it's meant to be a tool that is useful for locals and residents, as well as visitors, tourists, Mm -hmm. guests. So we want people who are just passing through to get a kind of slice of life in Ely. And we want people who are here for the long haul to really have one more resource to help them get engaged around town yeah and so i'm hoping you know each week we'll be able to feature conversations with guests who might be involved in a particularly exciting or you know upcoming event Mm -hmm. and then just generally go through a list of some things we know are coming down the pike in terms of what you could do while you're in town and that might be the upcoming winter festival we're going to talk to shauna vega who's been involved with the ely winter festival for a while um but it might also just be learning about like different trails in town or places to go if you have a bicycle or things you might want to consider if you're into cross-country skiing so i'm just hoping it can be a resource again for locals and visitors alike
0: so there's been the for a number of years now there's been the the what's up ely Facebook page and so this is kind of a takeoff on that and and the the great thing about the what's up ely page is um, anybody can post their questions or their concerns um, and whether they're whether they're a visitor or a local and I think we see equal engagement from both you know from people that live here from people that are coming to visit, people that are considering moving here. Um, there's a lot of engagement on all of those different levels and so you're sort of bringing this into a podcast space that will it'll have a tie-in, but it'll also sort of it kind of takes it uh, uses it as a launching pad to to share what's what's really going on in Ely.
1: Exactly. Yeah, it's taking the WhatsApp Ely Facebook group and putting it into a new format Mm -hmm. there are a lot of valuable resources for a person to know what's going on in town Mm -hmm. but they're not all as dynamic as the what's up ely facebook page right because you can put an event into the ely winter times um the deadline to do that would be like mid-october it gets published mid-november and so if you have an event in february you need to know the details by mid-october yeah and i would recommend anybody in town grab the nearest copy of the ely winter times and read it cover to cover because it's a very valuable resource sure is but brett if you tried to host an event next week it's, it's not in there it's
0: too late it's too late <laughs> yep.
1: and so the WhatsApp ely facebook page is great for that like hey y'all like New event or, oh my gosh, I just saw, is it Molly Johnson just made like a hundred cookies and they're, anyone can go grab them at j and hardware. God, it's
0: cookie day for it's Molly. It's cookie day.
1: <laughs> so that kind of thing, you know, doesn't necessarily get put into the Ely Winter Times. It mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily get submitted to the Ely.org event calendar. Yep. It doesn't necessarily have a poster around town, but you're going to want to know what's happening. Yep. And so we're hoping that the tie-in between the What's Up Ely Facebook group and the podcast can be useful. And then we also just, I mean, what a treasure. Do you remember, Brett, when someone asked in the What's Up Ely Facebook group, what, if any, new business do folks think should come to town? Oh, I recall. (laughs) That was a good time. It was
0: entertaining for (laughs) sure. comments were phenomenal
1: right one thing i'm excited about with the podcast is the opportunity to have a segment where it's like and what's the most dramatic thing that went down on the facebook page since we last talked because what there were like 400 comments so many and then it turned into like a fight about whether or not there should be a water park in town (laughs) i love that like what it's not what i would have thought was going to come out of that no
0: and it's 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 so funny because i think this so often happens with social media it's almost inevitable that the comment sections are are going to have a fight somewhere yeah. in there i think twitter is probably the most guilty of that but it definitely happens on facebook there's certain that was one of those posts where i saw the first couple of comments on there and i'm like all right fire up some popcorn this is going to be entertaining
1: <laughs> right i just Yeah, that's one way to lose an hour, right? (laughs) And so if you are intrigued by What's Up Ely Facebook group, um, but you don't have time to sift through it, I've already got a a friend who said, you know, I don't know if I want to be a guest on the What's Up Ely podcast, but I can definitely be like an informant on like what's going down on the Facebook page. And it's like, (laughs) amazing. Thank
0: you. Yep. Yep. And it is as great a resource it is. There's a lot of people that aren't on Facebook and Mm -hmm. that would really appreciate the opportunity to have that kind of information and that sort of a resource in a different format that's a little more accessible.
1: Yep. And you can't look at Facebook while you're driving.
0: Right. But you can listen to a podcast. You can listen to a podcast while you're riding your mountain bike or on the snowmobile or whatever it is. Yep.
1: And I so I'm very excited about it, but I also, it's a new concept. It's a new thing. I've, I've not done a podcast before outside mm-hmm. of when my, you know, Spanish professor made me record some audio of me speaking Spanish, like back in 2008. Ah, so, um, bueno.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs>
1: I have lost all my Spanish skills because oh, no. I have a pet hobby of trying to learn Portuguese. So instead of oh, bueno, okay. we'd say que bom, que bom, que bon. Ah, nice. yes. Um, So podcasting is new for me. The concept is a new concept that we feel really strongly about. But honestly, if listeners have feedback about what they want to hear, I want to know what listeners want. Yeah. We want this to be a resource and a tool. We want it to be entertaining and engaging, and we want it to be to some extent educational. Um, And we just know that Ely is such a special place. And the whole region, you know, the Iron Range, Northeast Minnesota, Arrowhead, like there is so much going on here. We just want to try to give y'all a slice of that every couple of weeks.
0: Outstanding. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to be a part of it and and to help you get it off the ground. And, um, you know, this podcast... Uh, is is going through a reboot we 're going to see a reboot to the my ely story podcast as we get into twenty twenty three we 've got some pretty fantastic guests lined up and of course you 're number one in the in the the, the latest installment so keep them um, <laughs> <laughs> so it is uh, you know i I love it here I love northeastern minnesota I love ely in particular and you know going through transitions in in my life and my career things like that um to have now the time and and the kind of the the technical technological aspect of things really covered here i'm so excited about the possibilities and how these podcasts are going to grow and and expand really what what ely has to offer and the accessibility to to people that that want to be a part of what goes on here
1: yeah yeah well and thank you brett for everything you do around the community for the community with the community um I'm really excited about season two of the my Ely story podcast, because it was really fun to listen to what I, what I would consider season one. Right. Yep. Um, you do have an all-star cast of characters lined up to interview. Um,
0: and then the list keeps growing, and every time I talk with someone about it, or I do an episode with someone, they're like, "Oh, here's who you have to talk to." Yeah. And don't forget this guy and this, you know, and these people won't be around for too much longer, so you have got to be sure to talk to them. So, the the list is is never ending for mm-hmm. potential guests. So I'm really excited about really uh, getting digging back into it, and yeah. I think some really fun things are going to happen. And this community, this. I, it has given so much to me over the last 25 years. You know, I've raised two kids here and um, I've been able to, to get involved with, you know, a lot of volunteer organizations and, you know, think opportunities that I wouldn't have had, I think living in a, a more suburban or, or urban area. And I just, I, I, I'm always looking for ways that I can give back to the community that's given so much to me. So this is a big piece of that.
1: Yeah, well, and it's nice to live in a community where someone's role modeling that, mm-hmm. right? Because all of the things that I was saying about earlier about involvement and how good it is for the person. Mm-hmm. I attended a, a online a webinar um, about the supply and demand of rural leadership mm-hmm. and your average rural community um, with the average amount of nonprofit organizations that are present um, I think in, in the state of Minnesota needs one in every like nine adults to be on the board of a nonprofit organization or in a government commission role or some sort of leadership role in town to fill every open position on average. Wow! And we know that Ely is not an average town. Yeah. We have far more than the average amount of nonprofit For organizations. Sure. And I hope that we can use What's Up Ely podcast to cultivate um, involvement and helping with some of the succession of some of the of of what we've got going on here, you know, cultivate more engagement and leadership, Mm -hmm. which I mean, if it doesn't work that way, it doesn't work that way. But I know that there's um, a lot of value and you're saying there's a lot of value to being involved and I'm saying thank you for remodeling that for us.
0: Oh, well, I mean, it's a pleasure. It, just, it comes very naturally, um, again, because this community has done so much for me and so much for my family that it's just I I really want to contribute in any way that I can. And the one thing that I see, you know, having been a part of, you know, just for example, like the Ely Little League program, um, it's so often you see the same people that are volunteering on this board and that board or coaching this, coaching that. It's the same people. And so I think to give people the awareness that these things are out there, that these opportunities are out there, and then to to sort of model just how rewarding that experience is, being a part of that, you'll see more people get involved and decide, well, I want to be on this commission and mm-hmm. for the city government or I want to be on this board of directors for this nonprofit. Um, the more we can show that and sort of showcase all these important things, uh, hopefully we'll encourage more people to, to step up and get involved.
1: hmm Yeah, and I would just remind whoever's listening that simply attending an event counts as involvement.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Right? Because for every event that goes on, yeah, you need people to help plan it. Yeah, you need donors to help fund it. But you also need people to go. To show up. Sometimes I think people are intimidated by the concept of involvement. And, you know, they hear us talking about like, oh, so many boards you could join. And they're like, oh, get me away from all this. Sounds like
0: more work. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and that's totally fine. Even just going to a movie. Mm Mm-hmm. At the Ely Historic State Theater, which is a nonprofit organization that offers movie tickets for five dollars, five bucks. Even just going to a movie is being involved in this time.
0: Absolutely, And it's a gift. Yep, it is. Well, thank you for being a gift to this community. You really, truly are. Thank you. And I'm excited to work with you on this podcast. And I'm excited to see what you continue to accomplish here.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Thank you, It's been a pleasure. And again, wherever you're listening to this podcast, keep an eye open for the What's Up Ely podcast coming in January. It's more from the My Ely Story podcast. And get involved. Get out. Get involved. Take a class at the Ely Folk School. Teach a class at the Ely Folk School. Just just do it. Just do it. And meet Lacey. (laughs) Meet Lacey and good things are going to happen. Thank you. Thanks so much, Lacey. It's been a pleasure.
1: It has. Be well.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of My Ely Story. A big thanks to Lacey Squire. We will definitely be hearing you her watch for the brand new what's up ely podcast coming your way wherever you get your podcast and we'll have more my ely story episodes coming at you as well don't forget to follow us on the socials visit elymn you can find us online visit elymn.org and facebook and instagram please share your feedback share your suggestions for guests and topics for future episodes and don't forget to like and subscribe and share your reviews wherever you get your podcasts And stay tuned as we bring you more of my Ely story. Wishing you a wonderful start to 2023. I will talk with you soon.